You're listening to What's New with Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far-off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. It's Friday, February 9th. I'm Zeke Robison. Today, Google prepares for a future where search isn't king. Make sure to listen to the end to find out what other Wired podcasts you can check out today. Google's CEO Sundar Pichai still loves the web. He wakes up every morning and reads TechMeme, a news aggregator resplendent with links accessible only via the web. The web is dynamic and resilient, he says, and can still, with help from a search engine, provide whatever information a person is looking for. Yet, the web and its critical search layer are changing. We can all see it happening. Social media apps, short-form video, and generative AI are challenging our outdated ideals of what it means to find information online. Quality information online. Pachai sees it too, but he has more power than most to steer it. The way Pachai is rolling out Gemini, Google's most powerful AI model yet, suggests that much as he likes the good old web, he's much more interested in a futuristic version of it. He has to be. The chatbots are coming for him. Today, Google announced that the chatbot it launched to counter OpenAI's ChatGPT Bard is getting a new name, Gemini like the AI model it's based on that was first unveiled in December. The Gemini chatbot is also going mobile and inching away from its experimental phase and closer to general availability. It will have its own app on Android and prime placement in the Google search app on iOS. And the most advanced version of Gemini will also be offered as part of a $20 per month Google One subscription package. In releasing the most powerful version of Gemini with a paywall, Google is taking direct aim at the fast-ascendant ChatGPT and the subscription service ChatGPT+. Pachai is also experimenting with a new vision for what Google offers, not replacing search, not yet, but building an alternative to see what sticks. This is how we've always approached search, in the sense that as search evolved, as mobile came in and user interactions changed, We adapted to it, Pachai says, speaking with Wired ahead of the Gemini launch. In some cases, we are leading users, as we are with multimodal AI. But I want to be flexible about the future, because otherwise we'll get it wrong. Multimodal is one of Pachai's favorite things about the Gemini AI model, one of the elements that Google claims sets it apart from the guts of OpenAI's ChatGPT and Microsoft's Copilot AI assistants, 
which are also powered by OpenAI technology. It means that Gemini was trained with data in multiple formats, not just text, but also imagery, audio, and code. As a result, the finished modal is fluent in all those modes, too, and can be prompted to respond using text or voice or by snapping and sharing a photo. That's how the human mind works, where you're constantly seeking things and have a real desire to connect to the world you see, Pichai enthuses, saying that he has long sought to add that capability to Google's technology. That's why in Google Search, we added multi-search. That's why we did Google Lens for visual search. So with Gemini, which is natively multimodal, you can put images into it and then start asking it questions. That glimpse into the future is where it really shines. Google has also been running a parallel experiment with using AI to remake its core search interface, launching a generative search experience that serves up chatbot-like answers ahead of the familiar list of ads and links. The company said just a few weeks ago that it doesn't anticipate a light switch moment when the generative search experience fully replaces Google search as we know it. But Google plans to push the boundaries of what's possible and think about which use cases are helpful and that we have the right balance of latency, quality, and factuality, Liz Reed, vice president and general manager of search, said at the time. Like Pachai, she seems to think it's time to experiment with some radical alternatives to Google's established model. Pichai says that Google is focused right now on getting the generative AI experience right, but that he is open to possibilities around both paid and ad-supported generative AI experiences. He declines to say whether the paid Gemini offering will remain totally ad-free, but pointed to another Google-owned product where it's possible to banish ads entirely. YouTube has been a very good example of this, Pichai says, a reference to the paid ad-free tier that YouTube started experimenting with several years ago. Ads allow us to give products to more people, but there will be cases of subscriptions that allow people to get a different experience. He adds, I can imagine the same user going back and forth between free search and a Gemini subscription. In other words, generative search would no longer be a side dish to serve, but a main menu item, albeit a more expensive one. There's another big reason why Google might want to charge money for its AI services. It helps defray the massive computing costs associated with training and running a large language model. We're able to project forward over our 25 years. If something on day zero costs this month, then what will it cost to perform the same task a year from now and so on, Pichai says. We've factored in the efficiencies we'll gain on the underlying models and then we price it in a way that we think makes sense. Whatever Google's motivations behind selling subscriptions to a chatbot, the technology it serves up has to work reliably. Pichai acknowledges that Google Gemini, even the advanced version, still risks hallucinating, the way Bard did, or as other generative AI apps have. We want people to be aware of that, Pichai says. I think the technology is useful for many people, but it has to be used in the right way, and I still have concerns about people relying on it. Pichai says, of course, that Google is trying to reduce the models gone wild phenomenon, but he also cautions that the word hallucinate should be used carefully, and suggests hallucinating was a feature as well as a bug, which is a fascinating rebranding of misinformation. He believes the technology should be grounded in factualness, but if you dial it down too much, your chatbot gets real boring real fast. A generative AI experience should be imaginative, Pichai says. 
like a child who doesn't know what the constraints are when they're imagining something. Kind of like the early days of the web. Make sure to check out our other Wired podcasts. Today in Wired Business, Amazon's cloud boss likens generative AI hype to the dot-com bubble. Checking in on Wired Science, NASA's new PACE Observatory searches for clues to humanity's future. And on Wired Security, I stopped using passwords. It's great. And a total mess. Listen to these stories and more at wired.com slash podcasts. Thanks for listening to Wired. Check back in tomorrow to hear more stories from wired.com. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.